Good afternoon. Welcome to this afternoon's edition of the Richard Urban Show. I am your host, Richard Urban, coming from historic Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. We bring you news and views from the Unification Principle point of view. Today's topic is no one is born homosexual. And I'd like to start with a scripture study from the original substance of the divine principle. Here we see a diagram of what is known in the Unification Principle as the Four Position Foundation. Origin, division, unit action is the action which God stands in the origin position, and division extends from Him, with the division next being reunited again in oneness. So here you see a contrast between the satanic theory of the dialectic, where there's conflict and synthesis, and God's principle, where there's division into two parts, i.e. man and woman, and then reunite together into one through love, through making love to form children. Of course, this occurs in only in the bounds of blessed marriage in God's plan, not just any time, and only between one man and one woman. So this is how God created things, with the duality of man and woman. Law of give and receive. Give and receive action. Love. Give and receive type. Oneism. Development through three stages. So this is God's plan. So actually, it's very important to realize that God defines who we are. Did you create yourself? No, we didn't create ourselves. Did you decide when you're going to be born? To whom you're going to be born? No, you didn't. And when we're thinking about child welfare, what is best for children, we need to put that into consideration. So I'd like to uh, share this clip from the Family and Community Strengthening Forum by Michael Marshall. But if we're talking in those sort of terms, the, 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 the group that is most needs some sort of rights and is most neglected is 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 children uh, as we mentioned there's little uh, uh, little emphasis on the emotional impact on children of unstable marriages but unstable marriages or sing, sing, being raised by a single parent it affects a child's sense of their full fulfilled self and in the future, their ability to contribute to society. Um, the, the child, if you think about it, the, the chi a child is the most vulnerable uh, uh, person in society. And nobody consulted us and said, do you want to be born? We're born, right? We had no say in it. Here we are. Nobody consulted us about, okay, you're born, but do you want to be born to these parents? No, we have no, the children have no choice in that. So given you have no choice and you come into this world, don't you think that the child has a right and expectation to have come into the world with two parents who have conceived that child and are committed to raise that child, educate it, sustain it, and most of all, love that child. 
that that's that's the basis uh, of what should what a child should be able to expect. And so much of what is happening simply simply ignores that. So we could see in Michael Marshall's clip that we have to be concerned about what is best for children, not as what our current fad or preference. So back to the main topic, no one is born homosexual. There is zero evidence, zero, that there's any gene or anything else that predisposes someone to be same-sex attracted. Of course, this has been a very important for people who are promoting the homosexual agenda to try to find one, but they can't. And that, because that would be the whole basis for so-called civil rights, because civil rights are based on your God-given traits. You can't decide whether it be born black, white, yellow, or brown. No, you can't. But sexual orientation is not one of those traits at all. So, and we can see from God's plan of creation, this is complete perversion. And also, as we saw in the clip by Michael Marshall, we have to think what is best for children, not what I want. Oh, if two daddies want a baby, or two mommies want a baby, or a, mo a mother wants a baby, or a father without any partner, is that what's best for the child? No, no. It's emphatically clear that children thrive and prosper with both parents. So that's what we have to think about. So if you read books like by Richard Cohen about uh, the book he wrote, coming out, wrote rather, coming out straight, we see that many people like Greg Luganis and many other examples he gives, they had a very bad relationship with their father. And if they're male, an overattraction, or how do you say, there's a domineering mother, and this is, is linked to, you know, having same-sex attraction. It can be one of a number of factors. And in the case of females, we see that, I'm going to share on the screen now, that a lot of females who identify as bisexual or lesbian, a great majority of them have been sexually abused. Let's have a look at that chart now. Among women... Sexual minorities appear to be at a heightened risk for experienced trauma across their lives. Several studies have demonstrated that sexual minority women are more likely to report histories of childhood emotional, physical, and sexual abuse compared to heterosexual women. Similarly, sexual minority women are more likely to report adult sexual assault than heterosexual women. A recent article that systematically reviewed 75 studies examining sexual assault among sexual minorities in the U.S., found that the highest estimates reported were for lifetime sexual assault excuse me, among lesbian and bisexual women, 85%. In this article from The Stream, we read, Yet when it comes to homosexuality, it is taboo to connect childhood sexual abuse with subsequent gay identity, since, one, this would contradict the quote, born gay, unquote, myth, and two, would underscore the fact that homosexual attractions are not natural and positive. In the words of Harry Hay, the gay icon and founder of the American gay movement, if the parents and friends of gays are truly friends of gays, they would know that their gay kids, from their gay kids, that the relationship with an older man is precisely what 13, 14, 15-year-old kids need more than anything else in the world.
you can be assured that such relationships would often become sexual, thereby providing the entry point into the larger homosexual lifestyle. Similarly, the renowned gay activist Larry Kramer opined, in those cases where children do have sex with their homosexual elders, I submit that often, very often, the child desires the activity and perhaps even solicits it, either because of a natural curiosity or because he or she is homosexual and innately knows it. And unlike girls or women forced into rape or traumatized, most gay men have warm memories of their earliest and early sexual encounters. When we share these stories with each other, they are invariably positive ones. Unquote. That's why man-boy love has been celebrating homosexual culture through the centuries. And that's why there's a page listing historic pederastic couples on gay Wikipedia, a gay Wikipedia site. And that's why George Takai could speak glowingly of his first sexual account at the age of 13 with a 90-year-old male camp counselor at a time when he admits he didn't know he was gay. So we can see in those articles there's a strong correlation, very strong, between sexual abuse, whether it be same-sex abuse between men and boys under, uh, you know, below the age of consent, or rape of girls and the reporting of being bisexual or homosexual for girls, for instance, being lesbian. And most of that 99.6% is rape by men. So here's a question I have for the audience, society at large. If this is a leading cause, and there's no question, zero question about that this is a leading cause of same-sex attraction among girls and a strong indicator of same-sex attraction or strong cause among boys as well, why are we not attacking or addressing that problem and instead celebrating or saying that people have right to be gay. It's like insane in my opinion. Okay, yeah, I have a right, since I was sexually abused, I have a right to be dysfunctional. Well, uh, I guess so. What we should be thinking about is why are we in a society where so much abuse is occurring? Why, why is that the kind of society we have? where girls are being raped. And by the way, what kind of homes do these occur in? It's much more likely if a mother is living with her boyfriend instead of married and living with her husband, that the child will be abused. And I have, of course, met children in those situations in my work teaching absolute curricula in Washington, D.C. And that is something that needs to be addressed. And I had the experience, as I've shared before, where one day we went out and took our club picture that's on our website, uh, Duke Ellington School of the Arts. We come back, there's these 15 uh, girls sitting around from the gay, uh, lesbian club, although they didn't call it the lesbian club, I think it was called, uh, I don't know, feminist club or something like that. But in any case, and they were saying, we object to the absence awareness posters you have put around, the students have put around, because we had no choice in losing our virginity, i.e. they were raped. So that's tragic. Of course I'm against that. Of course I want to work against that. Of course that has to be stopped. And what's the best way to stop it? To build strong, stable, two-parent families. But instead, 
these girls are advocating for, hey, we want to celebrate or advocate for lesbian identity. You're offending us because you say we should have abstained and we were raped. That's basically what they were saying in so many words. And of course, that's tragic. And of course, I'd love to work with them on how can we eliminate this type, these types of sexual abuse. And of course, the way to eliminate it, of course, very externally, you know, those things should be prosecuted. But the way to eliminate it is to have stable two-parent families. So the very thing that would eliminate it, they're against because they were raped or you know, abuse or, you know, if not raped, you know, maybe other kinds of abuse, but certainly that's a big one, as we see there in the um, reports I read about rape and, and sexual abuse for lesbian women. So we do have to think what is best for child welfare, and we have to know that, as I said, no one is born same-sex attracted is born homosexual. No one is. And, you know, if you were abused then, or if you're in an abusive situation right now, you should try to get help by sharing with someone that you trust, you know, about the situation. And why are we putting our ch children in these no-win situations? Like one time I was talking to a counselor in D.C., you know, and of course if they hear about child abuse or legally reported or rather required to report to the, uh, you know, D.C. government, for instance, about it. But it's a no-win situation. So a student comes in and says, okay, you know, they don't actually tell. If, the, if they do tell the counselor, the counselor's going to have to report it. The child will be removed from the home. Is that the best thing? Virtually anybody who's in the ch foster care system would say that, None of those systems in any state anywhere is a good system. They're full of problems. That's a bad situation. On the other hand, is it a good situation to be living at home with abuse? No. So it's like a no-win situation. So how can we solve these impossible situations? As I brought up in my uh, program two programs ago, which I'll post uh on our website below too, you know, we need to have an absence-centered outreach to the youth, telling them that regardless of where they're at, this is something they can do. They can wait until marriage, have stable families. Parents need to level with their children about that. Even if they didn't abstain themselves, they need to think is what's best for the children. Those who are homosexuals and they want to adopt that's just plain wrong. It shouldn't be allowed. And if you want to adopt, at least you have to do a home study. When you get a surrogate child, i.e., you know, a sperm and egg is given to some uh, woman who bears the child, then you, there's not even any home study. It's like buying a child. You know, oh, two men decide, oh, we want a child. We'll buy one. Or two women decide, oh, we want a child. Maybe one of them will give an egg or a sperm, you know, as the case may be. Who asks the child if he wanted two daddies or two mommies or none, or, you know, or one, one mommy or whatever the situation may be? This is not at all in the best interest of children. 
So we've got a really, really dysfunctional situation that is focusing on the perceived wants of adults. Instead, as, as Michael Marshall shared in his excellent presentation, instead of the needs, needs of children for stable two-parent families, why are we not discussing this? Why isn't this a topic everywhere? Why isn't it a topic that in the black community, 70 plus percent of children are born outside of marriage? In the black community, thousands and thousands of babies are aborted more than any other community. And why is it a topic that out of wedlock births have skyrocketed to the over 40% across all communities? Why isn't this a major topic of discussion instead of this constant parading of homosexual rights? And it's even bizarre or really tragic. I would have loved to help those different girls who came to the club, the young women. Let's work together. Let's work on eliminating sexual abuse. But oh no, you're promoting abstinence. And that upsets us because we were sexually abused. That makes no sense at all. What we need to do is work against why are we having this terrible environment for raising children? Why don't we think about what's best for children? Why don't the adults own up? We have a parent problem. And if they did not abstain, be honest with their children and tell them why that's a bad decision and they should wait themselves. And if they are living with a boyfriend or something, get out of that situation and think of what's best for their children. Why aren't we focusing on that? That's what I want to know. So homosexuals should not be allowed to adopt. No, it's not good for children. I don't care what the so-called couple thinks, whether it's two men or two women. No, that's wrong. And they shouldn't be allowed to have surrogate children. In fact, there are many argue that surrogacy shouldn't be allowed at all. You know, children need parents, natural parents. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that debate now, but definitely homosexual couples shouldn't be doing that. And in fact, uh, non-married couples shouldn't be doing it, you know. And in fact, that's probably a whole even larger, broader topic about surrogacy, period. But certainly, it's inappropriate just to be buying a child just because two men or two women or whatever decide they want to have a child. That's, that's not, not the way God created things. As we point out in the Unification Principle, God created things through love, complementarity, male and female. What, and whether you believe in God or not, that, isn't that just common sense, you know? The male part. The convex part fits into the female concave part. Isn't that how God created it? Duh! Hello, anybody home? So, I mean, we are so far off from God's plan. I mean, it even it even is even about religion or it's about, even the common sense is defied. So let's get back to what's best for children. And, you know, if you're same-sex attracted, you know, and you have been abused, which is true for a lot of people, whether sexually or in other ways, then, you know, you can get help and that can be solved. You know, and you can live a, a happy life. So, I hope we can create a lot better world for our children 
by paying heed to these things instead of this crazy, insane, wrong, selfish culture of just what I want, you know, for my pleasure, you know, what I'd like to have without thinking what's best for the welfare of children. So this has been No One Is Born Homosexual. And again, we want to embrace and help people who have lived in abusive situations and also help them succeed in life. That's why we need to be teaching this abstinence center education everywhere. We have the Urban Life Training Program. You can, as a parent, get all those materials at urbanlifetraining.org, join up there, or form your local chapter and teach this in your local church, school, or to your family. And then we're going to make a better culture. That's the only way to stop this crazy downward spiral is to stop having all these outside of God-centered, outside of principle-centered relationships, whether it be homosexual relationships or all kinds of unmarried relationships, etc. So I hope you found this edifying. Do like it. Do share this podcast or comment on our site at visionroot.org on your podcast platform. We thank you for listening. I'm your host, Richard Urban, coming to you from historic Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. Do be blessed, and we will see you next time.